Thank you for listening to the Family Life Podcast. We hope that this message blesses you today. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. There, you can watch our latest sermons online. You can find us by searching for Family Life Church Bloomington. You can also connect with us on Instagram and Facebook. Just type in Family Life B-Town. Thanks again for listening and have a blessed week. Oh, I'm learning. Paul said, I've learned to be content in what state I'm in. I'm learning to be content. I didn't, I wasn't born with contentment. You weren't born with contentment, but we learn to be content. And why is that? Because he never leaves us and he never forsakes us. Everybody understand that? Contentment is not contingent upon things. It never has been. It never will be. Contentment is a learned response of the ever faithful presence of God with us, that he never leaves us and he never, come on, you got to get this. If you don't get much else today, can you get this? Contentment is not about things. Contentment is not about circumstances. Contentment is not about situation. Contentment is about God, that he never leaves us, he never forsakes us. Amen. 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 His arm is not shortened that it cannot save. His ear is not deafened that it cannot hear. His eye is not waxed dim that it cannot see. The word assured us of that. God has not changed. He has not diminished from being God. What he was to you at the beginning, he is that now. And he shall forever be that. So God is faithful. And he is, anybody? God is good. Hallelujah. Wonderful. Wonderful. Amen. The book of Matthew, the 11th chapter. And then we will move to Psalms 139, the book of Matthew. Now, I'm going to read a number of verses today to help us to understand this. And if you'll just walk with me in the Word, uh, I believe the Lord has a Word. Everybody say, for me today. Amen. I believe the Lord has a Word for me, for you, for us all here. And it came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding His 12 disciples in verse number 1 of chapter 11 of the book of Matthew that he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. Now, when John had heard in the prison, in the prison, the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? This was the question John put to his disciples to put to Jesus. And so they said to him, Are you the one, or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again. Go and show John again. Go and show John again. Those things which ye do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. Now, if you would, move over to the 139th Psalm, and we will look at verse number 7 through 12. Now, look at this. Whither shall I go from thy spirit, or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day, the darkness and the light 
are both alike to thee. Go back, if you would please, to the 10th verse. Can you do that for me, Jordan? Even there, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. Now, let me talk to you for a few moments and walk with me in the word as we talk about even there. Everybody say, even there. Even there. Father, I love you and I thank you for your wonderful presence in this house today. I am better because I'm here today. And I'm so grateful, God, that I get to be here. Lord, you're so good to us and I praise you and worship you. I thank you for everything. I love you, Jesus. And I pray that you would anoint us all, anoint all these people, anoint me to be your mouthpiece. Thank you, God that you are here with us and that we can be here with you. And so, Lord, I pray, let some soul, some mind, some life hear this word today to know that you are present and we trust in you. In Jesus' name, let the church say amen. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus that washes white as snow. Sing it with me now. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Yes, oh, the blood of Jesus that washes white as snow. Yes, oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus that washes white as snow. Would you thank him for his life-giving, life-saving blood? I love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. You may be seated in Jesus' name. A prison cell, that was where John the Baptist found himself. A cold, dark, dank prison cell. A place with little light and even less hope. Locked doors that kept a life in and tried to keep a life out. It was a far cry. It was a far cry from the wide open spaces of the wilderness that he had been used to. The banks of the Jordan River where crowds gathered and he called out sin and, and preached repentance. It was that message, as a matter of fact, it was that message that had put him there in that dark place. He had pointed out the adulterous sin of Herod. And this was that John that had baptized Jesus. Do you understand this? This was John who had baptized Jesus. It was him who had said as he stood there before the crowds in that river and said, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. This was that John. And now it was this same John who sent two of his disciples to Jesus to ask him if he really was the one, if he really was the Messiah. 
This same John who said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, the one who baptized him, now sent two disciples and said, Are you sure? Are you sure you're the one? That's the thing about dark places in our life. They can make us doubt the hope that we once held to. The locked doors that keep us in as well, keeping other good things out, dark places. We question what we once knew is right, what we believe. We wonder where we went wrong. When we find ourselves in dark places, we, we wonder who wronged us. We try to reason it out because it's the nature of humanity to want to blame somebody or something. We're always looking to blame something. Dark places of life tend to make us lose a proper perspective and perception. Do you understand that? Dark places in our life, difficult places in our life cause us to lose proper perspective and a proper perception. The disciples in a boat in the middle of the sea in a storm in the middle of the night could not discern that it was Jesus who came walking to them. Darkness and the elements that too often go along with it, adverse cutting winds, slow our progress and waves that make everything feel unstable can make us miss Jesus in those dark moments. You understand that? When we find ourselves in dark, difficult places of life, it can make it difficult to perceive the Spirit working. It can make it difficult for us to understand that Christ is near. It can make, us, it can make it difficult for, for us to see the purpose in it that he has, not knowing that even in the dark, that even though we cannot feel or that we cannot see him, God is still present with us, even there. David said, David said in the seventh verse of, the, of Psalms 139, Whither shall I go from thy spirit, or whither shall I flee from thy presence? His, his words, now understand this, his words were not trying to conceal God. He was not trying to conceal from God, but rather he was, he was revealing the omniscience and the omnipresence of God when he said this. Whither shall I go? Where can I flee? How far away can I get? He wasn't trying to hide from God. He wasn't trying to conceal God, but rather he was revealing God. He was revealing the omniscience of God and the omnipotence of God. He was not trying to find a way to escape God or to somehow remove himself from his sight, but rather he was affirming the ever-abiding presence of God, the all-knowing mind of God. David was saying, if I am there, then you are. Wherever I go, that is where you're going to be. I can't find a place in my life or in this world where your presence is not already there. If I ascend to heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take wings and fly, if I find myself in the uttermost parts of the sea, if I am in the dark, if I am in the light, even there shall thy hand lead me. Even there. That's what he said. Even there. Even there, it was the, it was the even there, the, the, the nameless, get this, I need you to understand this today. Even there, the nameless unknown places of our life that are yet to be revealed. Um, the obscure seasons that have yet to unfold before us, the, the difficult days, the, the misunderstood moments, even there, even there was what David was saying. It would be even there that God would already be before I would ever arrive at it. Those times in our life when it would seem senseless and even more hopeless, even there, even there God would be found. We live in the measured moments of our life. Do everybody understand this? We live in the measured moments of our life uh, defined by a clock and a calendar. We are defined, the mortality of our life is defined by the watch that is on your arm. 
the days are clicked away by the, the marks on a calendar and the pages that are flipped as a, as a day and a month and a year passes, decades that go by. Our life is, is calculated by that, thinking that God is confined to work only within what my flesh can feel and comprehend and count. I, I think and you think that God has to work within that time frame, that he has to work within that calculation. That, everybody, everybody with me? You getting this? That, that God has to work in what I can count. And if it does not count, if it does not equate, if it does not come to an end result, a sum at the end that seems to be positive, then somehow God must not be in it. Uh, when all the while time is held in his hand, and he wor- I feel very anointed about this today, and I'm asking you to come along here for a moment. All the while time is held in his hand, and he works outside of the measure of time. So he is already where you and I will be, because he dwells within the eternities. He's not captivated by how I see space and time. He's not limited to the four walls in the, uh, of this building or the, or the ceiling or the floor. He's not, he's not confined to the capacity of my limited understanding. He doesn't work in the thimble full of knowledge that, and wisdom that you and I might think that we have. No, God is not confined by that. He, he works in the eternities beyond time. Yeah, he'll work to the measure and the means of time for the benefit of humanity because all things work together for our good. But God works outside time. He, he goes beyond the dimensions of my understanding, what I can touch and feel and see and grasp and hold on to. God is not confined to that because if he were confined to that, then we think that God would be nothing more than a tangible blessing in our life that is disposable. But he's not disposable. He works outside time. So he is back in the past, but yet he is in the present, and he is already in the future where I will someday be, Lord willing. Do you get that? Amen. Because he's not confined by the calendar. He's not confined by your clock. He's not, he's not working according to the way we think sometimes. Uh, God gets there. God gets there before you and me, if, if you want to look at it that way. Before I get there, he's already got there. Um, uh, before you ever needed him, he has already arrived at the place of your pain and your problem. Before you even feel the first, uh, before you even hear the first word, before you even know that you have arrived, God is already in place. Hmm. Before you breathe a prayer, before a thought cut a course through your mind, before our, any feeling, uh, feeling of worry and woe weighed our soul down, he was even there before us. Look at this in Ephesians, if you would please. Uh, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and, and, sat, and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this world, not only right now, but also in that which is to come. Everybody see this? That he's given him a name that is not just... Now, above everything that's named, but in that which is to come. So whatever has yet to be named, what is yet to be said, whatever is yet to be titled, the name of Jesus is above that. If a word has not yet been concocted or created, can I tell you that the name of Jesus, the name of God is already above that which is yet to be conceived in the mind. Everybody getting this right now? His power is to usward in his name above all principality and power and might and dominion and and, and a name that is named, a name that is named in this world uh, or or this age, but also in that which is to come. The yet to be named places of our life, the circumstances that have no title, that, that which is to come even there, 
Even there, God is. The diagnosis that may be delivered, even there, God is. The place you have never would have thought that you would find your life in right now, even there, God is. Uh, God is not absent from where we will find our life to be. If I ascend to heaven or descend to hell, even there, David said, God is. No matter the highs, no matter, come on, I'm just trying to talk to somebody's faith today for a moment. Uh, no matter the highs, no matter the lows of your life, no matter how good, no matter how bad it may seem, God is not intimidated by the extremes of our life. We are. Uh, we are moved. We are affected. We are touched by uh, the infirmities. But he is touched by the feelings of our infirmities. And God is not intimidated by the extremes of our life. How high you may go or how low you may. It might be the most depressing day that you have ever dealt with in your life. Can I tell you that even there, God is in your life. Yea, the darkness. Look at this. Yea, the darkness hath not hid from thee. But the night shineth as a day, and the darkness and the light are both alike unto thee. Your darkness, hear me someone, your darkness does not define the absence of God in your life. God defines and defies the darkness. Just because you are feeling pain, just because there is darkness in your life, just because there is difficulty in your life, that does not, that does not define that God is absent from your life. God defies and he defines the darkness. Stop thinking that the presence of pain or problems in your life is the absence of God in your life. We have been seasoned to think in our life that somehow if there's something difficult coming into our life, if we're dealing with a trial or a test or suffering of some sort, then that surely must mean that somehow we've messed up and God is, is at least disappointed with us, if not mad at us, and thereby we are feeling the effect of his wrath because we just didn't line up to what uh, we should have lined up to. Can I tell you that is a lie from the pit of hell. Amen. If you're dealing with pain, if you're dealing with darkness, if you're dealing with difficulty, understand this. No, life may not be perfect. You may have made wrong choices. There may be circumstances that are adverse to you. But just because you're feeling it and just because you're going through it, it doesn't mean that God is absent from you. It doesn't mean that somehow you've messed up along the way. As a matter of fact, if I understand the New Testament correctly, it could be that I am very well in the perfect will of God when I am suffering. When I'm, that's why David said it is good for me to be afflicted. Why? Because there are certain afflictions in my life, Brother Van Diemen, that when I go through them, they lead me into a greater relationship with God. And I come to a greater enlightenment in God. A greater Am I going too fast for anybody right now? A greater revelation of God and how great he is and how good he is because there are certain things that I sense in my spirit and in my flesh that I cannot sense or feel otherwise unless I was dealing with pain and difficulty. Amen. Amen. Because the enemy would like me to think, and the enemy would like you to think, that just because you're going through it, that somehow that means God is mad at you, and he's withdrawn himself. Even Job thought that he was a perfect man. Job said, I look for him on the left hand where he doth work, and I cannot find him. We don't sense God sometimes, but just because I don't sense God, that doesn't mean that he is absent from me. He is ever present. Even there. Somebody say, even there. Somebody look, somebody point your finger. Go on and point your finger and say, down the road, you can't see it, but even there. Where? I don't know, but even there. That's where God's going to be. When I get there, even there, even when I don't know what it is, even there, I guarantee you, God's already going to be there before you. Amen. The darkness and the light are both alike to him. Even there in, in, in the place where you cannot see or understand, he sees clearly. Even there, he is near. Paul said in Corinthians that we... Uh, that we now see through a glass darkly. At our best, uh, at best our flesh sees with a limited perception. 
we see things with a limited perception spiritually. Looking back, uh, we can see where we have been and the evident presence of God that was with us and at work while there in the onslaught and the attack of life. I can look back and I can see that God was present in my past. I can look back and see that he was present in what I have gone through. But when it comes to the present, the present or the future faith, the lens with which we look through is often darkened and dim. I can look back with a great clarity. I can see the hand of God at work. But the Stanger, I can see where God was. I can see where his impact and his imprint was. But when it comes to present faith and future faith, often the lens of my life is darkened and it is obscured because I see through the lens of flesh and feeling. Come on. I am sick of cold weather. That's the biggest response I've got out of anything in this entire sermon thus far today. I am sick of cold weather. Yeah? Everybody? You looked outside today and, right? But I know it's going to get warmer. And I don't base my decisions and, and my actions on one day of cold. I didn't get as big a response on that. Come on, work with me here. It's, in other words, the weather's going to change. Stick around. We're going to have more snow, maybe. We're going to have hot days. We're gonna, it's just, that's the way it is, all right? We know that. Amen. I don't base that. I don't base life. On, I don't base life on my feelings. Because my feelings are like the weather. They will come and go and change. Because I cannot see. I know the, the meteorologist tells me what it's going to be, but they don't always get it right. Right? I know what my feelings are telling me, but my feelings don't always get it right. I can look back and I can say, well, that's what it did back then, so I can predict what it's going to do right now. Uh, but the truth of the matter is, that is just a good guess. Yeah. And my feelings will constantly keep me guessing if I follow my feelings. Yeah. Uh, and and, and I'm, I'm, just, I'm just seeing through a glass darkly. I'm just looking at future faith and, and future things and where I'm going to be and how it's going to be. I'm just seeing with a little bit of a obscurity, I can't really make it out. Uh, and so we, 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 when it comes to present or future faith, the, the lens is dark. When problems are present in our life, it's hard to see the good in them. But if we will understand that where I am presently, everybody say even here, even, here. even there and even here, God is present. He knows where I, he knows I'm sick of the cold. He knows how I'm feeling. He knows what I'm going through. He knows what I will go through. And even there, he will be faithful. When the future feels fearful and the way before us is obscured and unclear, it is hard to see God in it. It's hard to see God in future pain. It's hard to see God in future problems. It is, it's difficult. But even there, God is there, even there where we feel so alone. Uh, because often the future feels alone. It, it feels absent. It feels abandoned because we cannot see what is walking with us, who is walking with us. Even there, we cannot see what is ahead of us. Jesus, understand, is even there, never leaving us, never forsaking us, and ever present help, uh, even there. Because our flesh does not do well with extremes. We just don't do well with extremes. It can be easy for us all to fall into doubt at any given point in time. The environment that we're in, I'm almost done, but not quite. The environment that we're in can affect our outlook. The, the dead weight of a constant defeat can, can drag us down. Anybody? Anybody get tired? Anybody get weary? Anybody get tired of hearing it? 
Hearing what? I don't know. Anybody get tired of hearing it? Have you ever said that? I'm just sick of hearing that. Yeah. Because we are affected by our environment and the constant weight of defeat, it will drag us down. And darkness makes us doubt. After a while, it begins to chip away at the very structure of our spiritual life and tries to take away the confidence that we have, the belief that we have. Even there, even there in the pain of John's prison, even there in the pain of John's prison, everybody look at this for a minute. I need everybody to hear this. He wondered if he got it right. The same man that baptized Jesus, the same man that called out and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He, he sent two disciples and said, Go ask him if he's the one. He had just said he was the one. But now he was saying, is he? So Jesus told them, everybody stick with me on this. I need you to hear this. So Jesus told them, go tell John these things which you hear and see. Go tell John the things that you hear and you see. Blind see, lame walk, lepers cleansed, deaf hear, dead are raised. The poor have the gospel preached to them. Go tell John the things which you hear and see. Look at this, if you would, please. There are times that we must be sustained by the things of God that we hear and see and not on the things we feel. Everybody getting this? All John could feel was the darkness of a prison cell. That's all he could feel. It was palpable. It was tangible. He could touch that darkness. The locked bars in front of him, the cold absence of life. But God wanted him to know that even there he was not alone. Even there, John, where you are not delivered, even though you could be, don't be offended in me. For even in the prayers that are not answered, hear me someone, even in the prayers that are not answered in the way that we want them, even there, God is present. John wanted out of the prison. He wanted to believe. And Jesus could have opened the prison doors, for in fact, he did come to set the captive free. That's what he said himself when he read from Isaiah. He came to set the captive free. But spiritual freedom is not about the gratification of our flesh, but it is about the redemption of our soul. Everybody understand this. God is more concerned about your salvation than your comfort. Yes, he is. Even there, uh, there's just times, Brother Dallas, there's times I have to rely on what, I've, what I have heard, and what I see. I'll be honest with you. Brother Stanger, I looked at you today and you gave me faith. I don't keep to mean to mention your name, but I'll, I'll do it. You, you gave me strength today. I believe, I believe that because you pastored so many years. And, and, and I look at that. I, come on, every time I walk into this house, I see some gray-headed people, and I'm one of them now. Um, I see gray-headed people, and they're still standing. Sometimes I live on what I see. Not what I feel. Because if I lived on what I feel... My flesh would have given up long ago. Brother Victor, sometimes I live on what I have heard. I live on what I've heard in the Word, not what I feel in the Word. Because there are certain things in, my, in the Word that I have heard that I don't necessarily feel. There are certain things that I have heard in the Word that I hold on to, that I believe in, because they have been spoken to me by faith, or I have read them, I have heard them. And so there, by, I live by what I have heard and what I see. Not by what I feel. Come on. We have fallen to the place in our culture, and our world, where we are more concerned about how we feel than what we believe. 
I'm going to repeat that. We're more concerned about how we feel, the present gratification in our flesh, more than we are concerned about what we know to be the truth in God and what we must stand on and what we must believe. What we have heard time and time again, repeated in our mind over and over. Can I tell you, I have to believe at some point before he lost his head that John in that prison cell knew, ah, he's the one. I, I have heard it. I have seen it. I'm going to believe it even though I don't feel it. Come on, sometimes you've got to get that kind of faith in your life that you believe that God is even there. He is even here right now. And he may not answer the prayer the way that you want it answered, but that does not mean he is against you or absent from you. He is right there and he is going to save you. Ultimately, you just got to stand on what you have heard and what you have seen and believe in God that is above all things before you ever even get there. Musicians. Even there, wherever you are, wherever you are right now, even here, come on, somebody. I believe I came with a word for somebody in this place today, some lady, some man to hear this. Even here, you didn't think you'd ever be at this point. You didn't think that you would ever have to feel what you're feeling or go through what you're going through right now. But can I tell you, even there, even right now, or what is even before you, God is already there. He has already made a way Wherever you will be, whatever season or situation you will find yourself in, do not fear, for even there God is. He went before you to save you because he knew, he knew that you couldn't save yourself from what you're going through. He knew that you couldn't hold your, your head up on your, on, on your own. He, he knew that you couldn't walk by yourself. And, and I recognize that and the most difficult thing about this passage is, is the end of John's life is that God could have delivered him, but he did not. And that's why he put that last appendage on that scripture that did not seem to fit with the rest of the scriptures. Rest of the scripture. But he said the lame, lame see, the, or excuse me, the lame walk, the blind see, the, uh, the lepers are cleansed, dead are raised. Those all seem to fit together, mesh together wonderfully. But when he said, and blessed is the man who's not offended in me, that didn't seem to fit. Why? Because he was looking at John, he was saying, John, I could change it. I could take you out of that prison. I could heal you, I could deliver you, I could take the circumstances and make them be completely different. But I'm not going to. Don't be offended at me, John. Don't be offended at me if I don't answer the prayer that you wanted at that moment or in the way that you wanted. Sometimes God just simply says no. And sometimes the best answer for our life is no. Sometimes it's good for God to say no to us, why? Because he sees the end from the beginning. And he's working everything else in between for our good. And sometimes I just need to understand that if I am in that place that God put me, even there he is, and I can trust in him. Amen. And it's not that God won't change your circumstance, and it's not that God won't heal, won't heal you or God won't deliver you. He can and he may. He's the sovereign God. It's not about, he is the constant. You and I are the variable. So it's not about who God is or is God is not. It's about that we just simply trust him. That we have faith that when he opens the door, when he opens the prison, I'm thankful that he opens prison doors. Let me say this right now. I'm thankful God heals body. I'm thankful God changes situations. I'm thankful God moves mountains. I'm thankful. And when he opens the door, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get up on my feet and I'm going to walk through it. When, when God says move, I'm going to move. When God says worship, I'm going to, you follow this right now. But if God tells me that, that this is where I need it, I've got, to, I've got to understand and I've got to trust that even right there until he changes the circumstance, until he shows me the next step, until he leads me out of that darkness, that he's still present with me. It's not me. 
It's not, it's, it's not dictated by me. It's, it's the constant God is. So no prisoner cell for sin can hold you when you know that he is with you. You understand that? No prison of self or sin can hold you when you know that he is with you. Even here today, right now, he is walking to you, calling, seeking to save you and I. Even here, right now, in this place. I believe I've come with a word today for somebody who wondered, does God know? Yes, he does. And even where you are right now, or where you will be, God shall be there with you. Come on, somebody begin to praise him and worship him and pray with me. As we open these altars and it's time to come and pray and repent of our sins and be baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Come and, Holy Ghost, come and, come and give your life to God. Come and, come and understand that He has the answer you're looking for, that He has, he has, the, he has the presence, He has the promise that, that He has given to you, that He will never leave you and He will never forsake you, and, and that whatever you have need of at that moment, He will be the sufficiency of that moment. And, and you will find him to be the thing that you need in that moment, the portion that you need, everything that you need, because he's even there, even there in that darkness. Come on, pray with me. Church, I love you, God. Oh, Jesus, right now touch our minds. Every one of us, Lord, every heart, every life, every home, God. I pray for that marriage that's struggling right now. I pray for that one God that doesn't know what to do or where to turn. I pray you help them to know that you are present, that you heard them the first time they prayed, that you heard that whisper in the night, that you seen that tear, that you recognize where they're at. And God, you are making a way now out and you are making a way through it, God. And you are opening a door for them to walk in to this next thing in their life. And God, I pray right now for every person that is lost that they would be found today, that every person, Lord, would recognize, come on, Oh, God, you hear me when I pray, and, and you're ever with me, and you never leave me, and you never forsake me, and I'm never abandoned. I'm never alone.